Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Well, last, uh, last weekend, uh, two of my grandsons were with my wife and I going to our uh, place on a little lake up in the Perry Sound area of the near north of Ontario. And uh, have you ever traveled with kids? You know, they were really excited about going there. And so, you know that question, are we? They didn't say that. I have a GPS. Hey, it's only one hour and 44 minutes. A little while later, (laughs) you know, 58 minutes. And then finally 10 minutes. That's what it was like for Jesus and his disciples. Just journeying with Jesus. Every time he'd do a miracle, they'd say, whoa, is he going to set up his kingdom now? Every time there was a large crowd and the excitement was contagious and they could sense that the kingdom was coming because Jesus told them the kingdom of God is here now, they'd say, you know, are we there yet? And every time Jesus would, uh, would heal someone, Oh, they could just feel that the kingdom was, was coming right now. One of, the, one of the 12, actually two of them, they were brothers, asked their mom, two brothers that were disciples, two of the 12, asked their mom to go to Jesus to make a request. When you set up your kingdom, Jesus, can my two boys please have the top jobs? How did Jesus respond? It was John and James. Uh, How did Jesus respond? Well, first he acknowledged that their request was the way things were done in the world. First, he's very honest about that. You know, get for yourself. That's the normal way that you get a position. It's all about self-advancement, self-promotion. You get for yourself. And so James and John are all about that. You know, collaborate with your brother. Manipulate your own mother. Push aside any other competition you must smother. It was just, that was just their, their view. And so when the other ten saw what James and John were up to, they were ticked off. That's from when you translate it from the Greek, that's what it says, ticked off. (laughs) Royally ticked because it wasn't just that they were going for the two top positions, but they wanted those positions for themselves. It was all about getting for themselves. So what does Jesus do? He calls a staff meeting, and after acknowledging that, yeah, that is the way that positions are obtained In our culture, he says this, it will not be so among you. And then he says this, the son of man, referring to himself, the son of God, the son of man did not come to be served, but to? And this wasn't the first time they had to have a staff meeting over this. Two chapters before, 
You know, this is Matthew 20, two chapters before Matthew 18. He, 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 they were arguing about who'd get the top positions, all right? That's the context. He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So, this is just days after the child illustration. Jesus takes a child, really, I mean, it's impactful. He wants them to seize that moment and get it. But like last time, Jesus' uh, words went in 12 years and went out 12 years. And even at the end of their three-year internship, Jesus is about to leave the you know, faith community, the Jesus community in their hands and ascend into heaven. Uh, they're, uh, he's at the Last Supper with them. And if you remember that, basically, no, I'm not going to be anybody's servant, right? You have a bunch of stinky, dirty, sandy, covered, Palestinian road, dusty feet sitting around the table. I'm not going to want, and so, so Jesus is about to leave the leadership with these guys all wearing t-shirts that are saying, I ain't nobody's servant. You know, I, I've, I've done a lot of canoe trips and I've learned what to bring into the, the wilderness. Because it's important because whatever you bring, you have to carry. It doesn't matter putting the canoes, you've got to portage it from one lake or river to another. And uh, a lot of people, I remember at Algonquin Park, a lot of people, it's their first canoe trip, and they don't know what to bring. I've seen people bring lawn chairs, <laughs> big coolers. Listen, I tell you, this is not a lie. One girl brought high heel shoes <laughs> on a canoe trip. It's exactly what James, John, and the other 10, they're just not taking the right stuff for where Jesus is bringing them. All they had to do, though, was just look at Jesus' example. They'd seen it on a daily basis for three years. Jesus was every day serving others. If he met someone who was down, he gave them hope. If someone was hungry, he gave them food. If they were trapped, he gave them deliverance. If they were sick, he gave them healing. If they were marginalized, he gave them inclusion. He said, the kingdom of God is for all of you. It was obvious that Jesus did not come to earth to get, but to give, give. But following his example in serving others is actually, listen to me, it's actually part two. All those three stories, those three staff meetings, that's usually what we get out of it when we read the minutes. We say, it's about Jesus showing an example to us how we are to serve one another. And, and, and it is there. It's in the James and John staff meeting where their mom uh, goes to bat for them. It's in the meeting where he invites the child to illustrate uh, humility. It's when he picks up the towel to wash his disciples' feet. Servanthood is there. But before I reveal part one, let's talk a bit to one of our pastors who has experienced both part one and part two, we're going to talk to him about part two, and then I'm going to come back to part one. And Pastor Dan, it was this scripture, because we're talking in this bookmark series to our pastors about um, 
a scripture that either got them through a tough time or it was a turning point. For you, this one was really a turning point. Let me, let me, let me read the words. When the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Now, there's 66 books in this Bible. Why did you choose this one for our talk today uh, as, a, as a scripture that provided a turning point in your own journey of following Jesus? Why this one? Well, it's funny you mentioned the 66. Like, you're going through all of them. This one was just so simple. Uh, it seems universal. Even just hearing Ivan's story about, you know, being skeptical, you know, me being skeptical at a time with faith. It was just so simple. It's a simple verse to think about serving others. It, it might just go through generations as well. It's going to be relevant when I'm dead and gone. So I think serving is such a cool... Now, where did it get you? What, what, what were you going through in your life? Like, were you at a downtime, uptime, or was this just... What kind of time in your life did this scripture hit you? Well, thinking about years, I was in my 20s, so kind of riddled with anxiety. You're looking for those to fulfill those socially approved norms, you know, find a good career, find a committed relationship, find a good place to live, all those things. So I was finding myself in a moment of transition of just thinking like, is this really what I want? Do I want to put all my marbles into finding meaning and purpose in this? So that's where I found my life. And this verse really got a hold of me. It's like, is this what you really want? Do you want your life to be encompassed with everything about you. And I, I got it. It's that, you know, you do you mentality. You wanted to make sure you were okay, which is good. There's good merit to that. But it got to the point where it was unhealthy. All hmm. I did was think about myself. So hmm. that verse really stood out because it said, hey, Jesus is saying it to do it backwards. Use where you are to serve others. And how did it massage itself into your life? Some people might say, yeah, but you're Pastor Dan. You're one of the pastoral staff, you're at a church, so it's not really quite as good for me in my everyday life in a, in a, in a, as a student or as an employee, employer in my workplace. Yeah, well, I'd have to say this happened well before I came on staff here. This is just when I was doing life in my 20s and in my early 30s and thinking about those situations. So you know what gave me, Pastor Keith? It was this I call it a macro filter. When I was walking into a situation of life where I had to make a big decision. Do I take this job? Do I take this promotion? Do I date this person? Do I not? It gave me a filter of like, am I serving the best purpose right now? So mm. it gave me that, uh, that filter, but also a micro filter in little moments. I, I gave you the example where if I'm driving down the street, do I have time to stop right now and help this person change their flat tire? Or am I so focused on what I got to do? So yeah, yeah, that's practical. Now, what about in your your parenting? Your parent now, two amazing little boys. Um, how does it work in your marriage? Your parenting, this whole servanthood perspective. Well, that same thing, and just picking up on kind of like what you said. Well, what do you bring to the canoe? I, I kind of do that. I try to do it my best. I'm not perfect, of course, but into my day to day, how do I serve this uh, this situation best? So let's say in marriage. 
For me, it's an attitude. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it's mm-hmm. not so much the action of serving, so it doesn't have to be a physical thing, but am I changing my attitude to serve the purpose, the best purpose of the situation? And with my kids, the ongoing changing of parenting, I've got to change too. I've got to change my attitude and how the serving would look. Yeah, a lot of the disciples would compete a lot. You know, it's interesting when it changes from compete, like I think of you on staff, do I want to bring the best out of Pastor Dan? Do I want to see you do well? And like you say, it changes the focus. What do you think of this quote? There's a quote that uh, you and I talked about. It basically says that that the measure of success is not how many uh, are... As it go here, you measure your life's impact not by how many you serve, or how many serve you, but how many you serve. What, what hits you there? Uh, it, again, so simple. And I've coined it into this line that I kind of have going through my head, others before me. Mm-hmm. And it makes it that simple. Mm-hmm. This is good. So that's, that's, how many, he did a pretty good job with part two. Thank you, Pastor Dan. <laughs> You know, I have a a, a medical doctor, uh, Esther and I have, she was a nurse at the hospital, got to know this doctor. He's a wonderful follower of Jesus. He brings it into his workplace. You know, he'll often say to me, he'll say, Keith, how how can I serve you today? Isn't that amazing? Just that, he brings that out. He is there to serve his patients. We can bring it into every area of even our our careers, our, our workplaces. It's that attitude. Now, but if we stop teaching here, we'd miss half of what Jesus was saying. I thought it was all about just be, follow my example, be one who serves others. And that's definitely there. But it's dangerous if we stop there because how many have met people, and maybe there's some listening to me online right now or in this room in Toronto, and, and if I said, what is a Christian? You might say, well, someone who follows the example of Jesus. Someone who follows the example of Jesus. And that's dangerous because that misses part one. That's just going on to part two, serving others, serving Jesus, without Part one, you say, well, what's part one? Well, it sort of comes up, weren't those great baptisms today? Uh, I just, uh, just love both of you, wherever you are. <laughs> and I'm just all God's best in your future. You, you got the real thing there. Um, I remember the first water baptismal service that I had as a lead pastor in Edmonton. Guess who I baptized? Uh, a clergyman from a mainline denomination, I baptized him. I felt like, you know, Jesus and John the Baptist, you should be baptizing me. <laughs> I was just in my early 20s, and here I am baptizing this clergyman. Do you know why? He had taught people. He'd gone to seminary. He, he knew how to do weddings and funerals and hold church services, but he'd never given his life to Jesus Christ. He'd been serving others, following the example of Jesus, teaching other people to follow the example of Jesus. But get this, he had not received Jesus and what Jesus wanted to do to serve him. You see, if we jump to part two and totally bypass part one, we're missing the real treasures of what Jesus is saying at these three staff meetings. Miss what? Hidden treasures. All right, watch this. The Son of Man came to serve. Full stop. Do you hear that? 
The Son of Man came to who? Yeah. The Son of Man came to serve. Not just to give us a good example of serving. Part one is being served by Jesus. It's what he came to earth to do. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to, to serve. Jesus didn't come to get followers, to get people to serve him. Listen, Jesus didn't come to earth so he could have all power and all authority. How many know he had all power and all authority before he came to earth? He had that in heaven. And the Son of God left heaven to serve you and me. He says, I'm here to give my life a ransom for many. Listen, if I am going to be restored to God... I need someone to do something about cleansing away the wrongs I have done. Jesus serves me by doing that, by cleansing me. If I'm going to go to heaven someday, I'm going to have to have some power greater than Keith Smith's power to get me there. Jesus has that power. Jesus says, I came to serve you with what you need to have your past forgiven and your future in heaven. Following Jesus does not start with following his example. Listen, it starts with you and I receiving what he left heaven to come to earth to give us. The thief on the cross, ever thought about him? Remember he turned to Jesus just, who knows, moments before he died? He didn't have any time to serve Jesus. (laughs) He didn't have any time to follow the example of Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Today. You'll be with me in paradise. Not not after you serve me for, you know, after you follow my example, you'll be with me in paradise today. He, he, He was ready to go to heaven, not because of what he did for Jesus, but because of what Jesus did for him. Don't miss this shocking reality now. You and I become followers of Jesus not by serving him or others, but by letting Jesus serve us. We can be uncomfortable with that, especially if we like to be a self-made person. Someone said a self-made person has relieved God from an embarrassing responsibility. (laughs) But that's exactly what Jesus is saying at all three staff meetings that we've looked at. Remember the child he brought up? He wanted to really make the point, unless you become a child. But listen, hold on. That can be a bit confusing because uh, Jesus didn't involve the child to illustrate serving, did he? <laughs> come on. How many of you had a, a baby come into your home and you said, kid, get me coffee? <laughs> right? And then go get groceries. Drive yourself to daycare and don't forget rent is due by Friday, right? They come in to your family not to serve, but to be served. Unless you become as a little child. Isn't that amazing? You see what Jesus was saying there? Little, the Greek word Jesus uses here is pation. It means an infant or small and dependent child. That's his point. If an infant is going to stay alive, that baby needs someone who cares enough to do everything for them, right? An infant can't do anything for themselves. You don't bring a baby into your home and say, there's the fridge, there's your clothes, aren't they cute? 
And there's your diapers. Help yourself. <laughs> no, they can't do a whole lot for themselves. Listen, what am I saying? I'm saying if you're listening to me right now and you are alive as an adult, it means that someone, when you were a child, freely gave to you. They freely gave to you. Someone freely gave to you when you were completely incapable of getting for yourself. Jesus is saying, unless you receive from him what you are completely incapable of getting for yourself, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. How many know there's no other person we can go to other than Jesus Christ to get forgiveness for our past because he's the only one that died on the cross. He's the only one that can tell us that we can have everlasting life with him because he's the only one who rose from the dead. All right, that takes us to the understanding the third staff meeting. You see it again. It's not just about being an example, picking up the towel and water and washing the disciples' feet. Yes, that's there. But, but listen to what Jesus says. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. All right? So that he's God. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So... He began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but say it aloud together with me, later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you you have no part with me. So Jesus wasn't providing an example of servanthood in that part of it. He's illustrating not an example, but entrance to his kingdom. Unless, unless you receive from me, you, you, you have no part in my kingdom. Receive what? Receive an undeserved cleansing from the God of the universe. I don't know how long you've been following Jesus, but if you follow him for any length of time, has it not occurred to you from time to time, that was the God of the universe that came for me. That was the God of the universe. Something happens in the deepest part of you and me when we get to a place when we, we understand, not that Jesus cleansed away my sin, but that was the God of the universe that came to earth to cleanse away my sin. Picture you washing a little baby. There's nothing they can do to help. Suck on the washcloth maybe, but there's nothing they can do except just to receive the cleansing. It's all they can do. Margaret led us in that song today in the team. He is for you. He is for you. Do you know there's times where it's good just to be blessed, receive blessing, and not just try and give. Some of you are so good at helping others and giving and, and, and serving. <laughs> you need those times where you say, Jesus, I receive from you. This is for me. You did this for me. Something happens deep inside you when you understand that Jesus doesn't come to your life to get anything from you, but to give you an undeserved spiritual cleansing that's going to last forever. 
Others may try and get from you and step on you to try and get for themselves. They may use you, abuse you, and devalue you. The God of the universe, whose view is infinitely more significant than what anyone ever else will say about you and to you, he comes to you and he gives you a love way beyond what you deserve. And all you have to do is humble yourself. All you can do is humble yourself as a child and just receive it. You know, I, I'm, I don't journal like Pastor Jonathan. I don't know whether Pastor Jessica journals. Pastor Matt, do you journal? I don't, he's just looking at me. All right. I don't, I don't journal, but I do write down insights. Here's something I found this past week. Here's what I wrote down. The love that heals the most is the love that is undeserved. Love must be undeserved for it to really heal. Because otherwise you're not providing anything deeper than the wound that needs healing and nothing stronger than what the pain level is. But when love is undeserved, it has the power to heal because it is deeper than the wound and more powerful than any pain. Jesus comes to Peter and he says, let me wash your feet. And after some clarification, <laughs> okay, Lord, wash my feet. It was Peter's choice though. Listen, you online in this room here today, it's your choice. Your parents may have followed Jesus. It doesn't, it's your choice. Maybe your parents never followed Jesus. It's still your choice. It's your option. Your choice today. Jesus comes to serve you with forgiveness and eternal life. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do except just say, okay, Lord, I receive. Go ahead, cleanse me. Nothing, nothing I can do. Do you see it? We get into his kingdom not by serving, but by being served by him. You see, here's where part one and two come together. When you let Jesus serve you, then and only then are you ready to serve others. Do you see that? Then and only then. It, you know, it wasn't until I had children of my own that I understood what my parents sacrificed for me. As a matter of fact, we were... We were on, I was on the phone last week to my 92-year-old mom in uh, Langley, British Columbia. And I said, Mom, you know what I was thinking the other day? I was thinking all those times that, you know, we, we said, oh, do we have to eat the vegetables? You know, why did you make this salad? And can we not, how come we can only have two cookies for dessert? She was ahead of her time. She knew sugar anyway, or the cost of sugar anyway. I said, you know, I never appreciated that, but I tell you, since I've had kids of my own and grandkids, I so appreciate the healthy diet that you supplied all of us five kids and whoever we brought home for, for a meal. Jesus says, later you'll understand. Later. As you get older in the faith, as you get more mature, later you'll understand. And later, do you know what? Peter, did he ever understand? His last letter begins with these words, Simon Peter, a servant. <laughs> After all my years of being in leadership positions as an apostle, the apostle Peter, a servant and apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, listen, I love this. He says, you can almost hear the awe in him. He says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. 
We got to hang out with the king of the universe. The king of the universe washed my feet. He served me. James, remember Peter, James, and John, closest to Jesus? James, he sure got it. He no longer lived to get. As a matter of fact, you know, he was a martyr. He was beheaded by Herod because he refused to back down from his loyalty to Jesus as the king of the universe, as the savior of his soul. James gave his life. It wasn't about getting by following Jesus and having a position in the kingdom. It's about, what can I give for Jesus? Later you'll understand John, and John was the last of the 12 to die. Listen, getting was so far removed from his life objectives that when he wrote about himself in the Gospels, it's interesting that, uh, do you know what? You, I, I never saw this before, but after Jesus washed his feet, when he writes about his life after that, he never again refers himself as John by his own name. Remember, all he was worried about was getting a name for himself. Before, now he either refers to himself as the other disciple and the favorite way of referring to himself was the one whom Jesus loved. So get this, John went from an identity of aggressively seeking identity for a top position in Jesus' kingdom to where he says, I don't even want to be known for my name anymore. All I want people to know about me is that I am loved by Jesus. explains why in his letter he writes this, this is love. You want to know what love is? He says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. But he's not, he's saying, don't try to love one another without receiving real love, the love of God. You see the sequence here? Don't jump to part two without experiencing part one. I want to pray with people online and in this room in Toronto today that are ready to say, I, I'm ready to receive <laughs> what I am incapable of coming up with myself. I'm going to humble myself as a child and receive what Jesus came to earth to bring me, forgiveness and new life. But, but how can we bring these two together? I, I thought of this story it's sort of a dream. It's not a true story, but it's sort of like a, an illustration. This man who had a dream of two rooms. He opened the door to the first room, and what did he see? A table covered with all kinds of wonderful food in the middle of it. However, the people that were around the table were starving to death. They were thin, and they were sick. Each one of them was strapped, their arm was strapped with this long spoon, long handle in the spoon. And so when they tried to get some of the food, they couldn't get, you know, it, it, it wouldn't work. The physics wouldn't work. They couldn't get the food into their mouth. Then he opened up the door into the next room. He saw another table, same wonderful food in the middle. However, the people were well-fed and happy and, and they were all eating and talking and enjoying one another's company. But their arms were also strapped with these long spoons which never allowed them to get any food in their mouths. The only way that they could get food is to serve each other. 
Yeah. If we live our lives just, I want to get for myself, I get for, it's like we're, <laughs> we weren't designed to be that way. And, and we were designed as followers of Jesus, not to get, but to. And when we freely give, we freely, you see, we learn how to be served and then to serve one another. Amen? So let's pray about this. Uh, can I just pray, first of all, with people online and in the room who are saying, I understand, I can't be a good enough example. I, I need Jesus' forgiveness. I need him to do something for me but I, that I cannot do for myself. And I humble myself as a child today. Let me just lead you. If that's you, just, just whisper this prayer right where you are today in your life. I'll lead you in a prayer that will allow you to open your life to the forgiveness and love and life of Jesus. Jesus, I open my heart to you today. Thank you for coming to earth for me to give me forgiveness that I could not get for myself. To give me life and eternal life that I could never get for myself. I receive what you died and rose to bring me right now. I receive your grace, your forgiveness, your love. Whether I think I deserve it or not, I receive it from you. Thank you for loving me, for forgiving me, for receiving me into your kingdom. I want to live for you, Jesus, until I go to heaven to be with you. I won't be perfect all the time, but I want to love you all the time and live for you forever. Oh, if you prayed that prayer with me, just, just say thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now let me continue to pray for those that are following Jesus, but you're saying, Jesus, as I plan even for this fall at one church and other areas of service, help me to, because I've received so much from you, help me to, to freely give. And help me not to give without receiving from you. Help the leader to you will understand moments to happen in my life where I understand more and more what you did for me, Jesus, and so I, I can serve you and give for you more and more. Lord, because you've blessed us, help us to be a blessing. Whatever generation we're part of in this church family, Lord, we bless the other generations, our children and children's children. Thank you for the future of our church, Lord, as we as we serve you with that servant attitude, because that's what you gave us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.